Welcome to the She Built This podcast, where we are sharing the stories of professionals and entrepreneurs who are on a mission to create the new norm by following their dreams and making them a reality. I'm your host, Emily Aborn, and together we are inspiring, growing, and giving you the tools you need to bring ideas to life so you can build whatever this means for you. Hello, my friends, and welcome back. Today, we are going to have some fun. I know that we have fun every single week. I don't know who I'm kidding, but in this particular episode, I'm recovering from COVID, which is another story for another day. I think I think I'll probably tell you the story. Anyway, things are really wacky inside my brain right now, so buckle up. Um, this is actually my second attempt at recording this episode because the first time I was all over the place. I finished and then I said to myself, that was potentially my worst episode ever. So here we are, take two. It was important for me to have this conversation because it is on a topic that is near and dear to my heart, and it fits with our monthly focus for February, which is connection. But before we get into the nuts and bolts of it, I think it's best, as per usual, if I start with a quick introduction for the newcomers, which even if you're not a newcomer, don't you dare fast forward. Don't do it. Um, If you don't know me, hi, I'm Emily Aborn. I'm a voracious reader, potentially even more voracious podcast listener, a dog mom, wife, auntie of two nieces and two nephews, and I live in New Hampshire and tromp about the woods in the daily as my preferred form of exercise. I am a content writer. I'm the host of this podcast, She Built This, and leader of the She Built This community for women entrepreneurs. Yes, I like to keep the name simple to remember, so podcast plus community, same name for the win. I would love to give a quick big thank you to one of my recent podcast reviewers too, who I think is a member of the She Built This community. The reviews, you guys, have been amazing lately. They are coming in hot and it's beautiful and warming my heart so, so much to see your positive words. So please keep them coming through the Apple Podcast app. And if you do, I promise to always speed talk through my introductions. Just kidding. I speed talk whether or not you leave reviews or not. This week's review is from No Nicknames, who says, I just finished listening to Emily's conversation with Daniel C., episode 178, and I so appreciate the way both Emily and Dan approach this topic that always has the potential to polarize people. I appreciate that Emily asked the questions she knew her listeners would want, and Daniel shared not only his own experience, but the data to justify the behavioral changes he offers. He doesn't take himself too seriously, but takes the subject matter seriously, recognizing the paradox of our universal reliance on technology and the inherent dangers in it. You have lit a metaphorical flame under my behind. Thank you so much to No Nicknames. That was, in fact, a fantastic conversation with Daniel. And as I do, I will include links to that episode in the show notes as well. So if you haven't heard it yet, we did talk a lot about technology and how we can take space from technology. So if you didn't get a chance to listen to it yet, I will include that link and you can go back and listen. Okay, intro over. Time for story time to kick us off. 
In case you haven't already figured this out yet, uh, I am slightly weird. I know, I know, you're like, aren't we all? But here's my level of weird, okay? The other day, I sat down with my journal and I made a list of pretty much everything that's ever happened to me in my life. Not everything, but the highlights and how it was all connected. Connecting the proverbial dots, if you will. I wrote down like person leading to another person, place leading to another place, place leading to a person, person leading to a place, etc., etc. I love reflecting on things like this and looking at what rambly roads led to what and where we are today. I like thinking about how long I've known people for, where I first met them, who it was that facilitated that meeting, all the goodness that's come out of that first time connecting. And I know that probably no one else thinks about these things as much as I do, but I love thinking about how we are connected. So in regards to that, I told you I was weird. I'm also one of those people that has really amazing and life-changing happenings from seemingly simple and innocuous moments and connections. Like this happens all the time. And I think it's because part of it is because, uh, first of all, I'm aware of it. Second of all, when I go to network or to meet people, I don't really go to network. I just go to kind of like learn about people, build relationships, stay open to possibility, whatever happens, happens. And I think that when you do that, you tend to find exactly that. You tend to find possibility and relationships and cool people that know other cool people that know other cool people that get you to cool places. And so I don't really like to go into networking with the goal of getting clients or referrals. And I promise I'm not trying to like use reverse psychology, but sometimes that's exactly what ends up making me meet the right person, click and connect, and then they become a client or a referral. I also find lots of people to help me too. And I end up hiring them and becoming their clients. So I wonder if they go into it with the same mindset. I don't know. Can't be sure. Anyway, one of the my best networking referrals, it um, actually involved bringing love into my life. And no, it, I didn't meet Jason, my husband, through networking. He wouldn't be caught dead in a situation like that. We do have a great story, but I will save that for another day or time. I actually met my dog, Clyde, thanks to someone in my BNI group back in 2015. I joined the group in late 2014. And so I was still kind of in that like awkward first year, just getting into the swing of things. So I was the girl that would show up like really early to all the meetings. One morning, I was exceptionally early and I was standing outside the doors at 730 or so in the morning, which honestly, you guys, I have no idea how I did that. That's like half an hour after I get up now. And some days I don't even wake up until 730. No kidding. I feel like my brain is is mush at that time. And it probably honestly always was. I actually never knew this about myself until the pandemic, but I am not a morning person, which might explain some things and also might explain why I never got any referrals from BNI. Uh, just kidding. Anyway, I was a different person back then, but I really digressed just then. See, this is what I'm talking about. Boy, I digressed. Okay. So I'm standing outside BNI at 730 in the morning and Brandon in my group, who I'm pretty sure was as nervous as I was, he came up to me and started striking up what I could only describe as small talk. After we talked about the weather for a little bit and complained about the snow, he asked if me and Jason were looking for a dog. And I said, no, not right now. Um, and by not right now, I don't think the thought had like ever crossed my mind. <laughs> but I'll definitely keep my eyes out for somebody who is if you want. That's what I told him. 
He flipped open his phone and proceeds to show me some photos of this dog and starts telling me the story of the dog. And I was like, um, you know what? After seeing those pictures, I think we are looking for a dog, actually. You see, to see Clyde is to love Clyde, in my unbiased dog mom opinion. I just knew that that dog needed to be in my life and he needed us. Clyde is a special special, special friend. He is my best pal on the darkest days, my adventure buddy on bright afternoons when we take off to explore a new trail or dip in the lake, and he is the best snuggler ever. I love him so, so much, and I think that he taught me just how big a heart can be bursting open with unconditional love for an animal. Um, At the time, Jason and I were just about to get married, and little did we know that our next big life change was also going to be buying a house with lots of backwoods for hiking. So Clyde, it was just another way that he came to us at exactly the right time because we needed a hiking buddy. Now, I always like to look at the ROI, right? The ROI, the return on investment. And in this case, Clyde's ROI, despite him literally costing money every single month, (laughs) um, Clyde is some of the best ROI I've ever received from networking. All in all, net positive. And here's the thing. In addition to that best friend, um, I've also met others, other best friends from networking events, from connecting one-on-one on on Zoom. You just absolutely never know what will come from the next connection that you make, the next introduction you receive, the next conversation that you have, or the next networking event you attend. You don't know how that person, that next person you meet, will change your business or potentially even change your life. And so that's where I wanted to go with today's topic, which is classically on the surface about networking, but I would love to challenge us to kind of ditch that word for the purposes of this episode, or not ditch the word, but also think of it as connection, uh, relationships, relationship building, whatever suits your fancy. And there are so many different ways we could go with this conversation, but I think it's going to sort of be like a few maybe do's and maybe don'ts. And I'm going to try to keep it light and humorous, but my goal is really just to help you improve your comfort level in networking situations by recognizing that all we really want is for you to be you. And I'm going to share some resources with you. This is also one of many, many conversations around this, so stay tuned for more. I'd love to hear where you specifically get hung up, where you want to dive in deeper. For future episodes, I also want to get into like intentionally building and staying connected with people in your network, uh, virtual networking, interacting online, et cetera, et cetera. But I didn't want to fire hose you in today's episode, which I will be honest, that was not the case in the previous rendition of this episode. So you're welcome. I recorded. Um, Okay, let's dive in. I'd like to start with uh, types of networking events these days and looking at which type is right for you. I hate to admit this. Maybe I don't hate to admit it. I'll admit it. I sort of loved the fact that most networking took place virtually for the past three years. I have really enjoyed some of the more one-to-one relationship building that I've been able to do through all of this sans the noise of being at a large networking event. And that said, I ventured to a couple things here and there. 
I keep finding myself preferring small groups to large awards banquets and dinners and conversation is my favorite over just being talked at. So as I consider what I'm hosting this coming year, I want to be sure I'm taking these things into account. I'm always trying to listen to the feedback other people are giving me from events, looking at what's working, what's not working. But I think a lot of us, from what I'm hearing, are craving most inspiration and relationship and connection. So Sometimes that can take place in a large event, right? But all this to say, maybe it shifted a little bit for you too. Maybe you used to love that loud and busy networking event, but now you're veering more towards the small dinner kind, party kind of person. Maybe you prefer Zoom to being in person, or you prefer in person to being in Zoom, or you prefer networking on the phone versus Zoom. When you figure out how much you can do, make sure that you take this all into consideration and don't bite off more than you can chew in the networking events world because there's a ton to choose from, right? So this year, I put three large events on my calendar, one of which is mine. She built this and everything else I plan to attend is smaller, cozier knit, and still just as much of a chance to build relationships and grow, but it's more in my comfort zone, if you will. And I try to really focus on events and attending things that are gonna be valuable for me and also valuable for the people that I'm going to connect with. If someone is trying to get on your calendar, make sure that they deserve to be on your calendar. If you are putting an event on your calendar, make sure it deserves to be on your calendar. This is not mean, there's just a limited amount of time and hours and you want to make those count. But also remember that anything can be networking. Like networking and connecting doesn't just need to happen in these specific events and dedicated occasions because sometimes the very best networking is accidental networking. You can accidentally network at the grocery store when you reach for something off of a shelf to help somebody who can't reach it. You can accidentally network on the sidelines of your kid's basketball game. You can accidentally network at the gas pump or at your friend's 60th birthday party or your nephew's wedding. So just keep that in mind when you decide what you're putting on your calendar and when you're out in about in the world and kind of like choosing who to focus on, who to connect with in your business. All right, let's move into the preparation stage before we go to the actual thing. So once you've signed up and you've decided and said yes and it's on your calendar, what next? If it's an event and you're able to, It is a pro move uh, to get a list of the attendees. And it actually, if you're able to get it from the host, it will really benefit you to be able to look over it. Maybe it will give you an idea of who you want to connect with when you're there. Uh, Maybe you can connect with the host ahead of time and just let them know that you'll be saying hello at the event and ask them at the event to connect you with somebody that you want to be connected to. Um, If you are heading into like a one-on-one call or it's like a real small group, take a couple minutes before and exchange websites with each other. So you can look over who that other person is and get a better idea of what they do. 
when you do this, you'll be able to ask better questions if you already have an understanding of them and their business and who they serve. I was actually uh, talking to some friends recently about whether or not we think people should do this prior to getting on our podcast, getting on consult calls with a potential client, and I think that we should. I think that a little curiosity, showing you've done a little bit of legwork and maybe some like friendly stalking, uh, it goes a long way to just check them out, see what they're all about. And it it helps you show up honestly, feeling more prepared and asking better questions. So other little things to prepare. If this is an in-person thing, remember to bring those business cards. Are business cards still cool? I don't know. Anyway, we'll get into those in a minute. Um, But also, of course, this goes without saying, be clean, hygienic, and arrive as close to on time as you can. As I say that, everybody understands if you are running a little bit late. But I think that there are three general arrival times you want to avoid. Uh, Well, first is a leaving time, and it's the dine and dash. If there is a meal being served and you are eating it, You got to play it cool and hang in there for just a little bit longer than the second they take your plate off the table. We all know we've been around this rodeo. We know that after the food comes, whatever they wanted you to come here and listen to, that's when it's happening. So if you just jet out the moment that that starts, it doesn't really look great for you. But that said, if you need tips on making a pro French exit, we can talk after. Um, Okay, but next showing up too late or showing up too early, both of those can actually be not your best move. If you show up too late to matter, like if you're going to be significantly late, but you still have time to actually enjoy the event, I would connect with somebody else in the room when you get there and ask them to make an introduction to someone because chances are it's kind of like already underway. You don't want to walk in and feel like you don't know what you're doing and everybody else has already built rapport. But if you're going to be so late that you're only there for like the last 10 minutes and they're literally like cleaning up the garbage and turning off the lights around you, maybe it just wasn't in the cards for you to attend the event that week. And that is okay too. It's okay. If you are an early bird, I am sometimes you also. It's funny. I go on both sides of the coin. I'll either be fashionably late or like way too early. But Let's not be too early. And here's why. As a host of an event, it's really hard to give my full attention and welcome somebody in fully if they arrive half an hour before the event starts. If I'm still putting up like balloons and centerpieces, it's hard for me to welcome you in the way that I wanted you to feel welcomed in. Plus, not to mention get checked in, get your name tag, all of that stuff. And I know people always say this to me, oh, put me to work, put me to work. But as a host, like you don't want to be delegating tasks to your guests. Your head is spinning. You have your own task list in your head. You just want them to come in when everything is ready and fully enjoy the experience. So if you're super early, um, sit in your car for a couple minutes, you know, reply to emails, phone a friend, take a walk around the block. Don't show up half an hour early unless you've been asked to to help. When we are on Zoom, let's talk about early and late etiquette. When you're on Zoom, I think it's kind of normal nowadays that people show up like exactly at the time, if not like give or take a couple minutes. It's fine. Um, But I have witnessed people hop onto Zoom calls where it was like a networking opportunity and they would show up so late that we're like done, 
but they still insist on getting their little sales message in there. Or they come early, they come on time, they give their sales speech, pitch, and then they make an excuse as to why they have to go early. So let's just remember, like whether you're networking in a virtual room or in person, don't be the way too early, don't be the way too late, and avoid this MO as much as possible. And if you're shy or nervous or otherwise you just want a friend, I think it's great to invite one along. Bring a wing woman or a wingman. Two heads are better than one, especially when it comes to networking. And this person can like really help you to break into a crowd or scout out good connections. Uh, they can help you when you get tongue-tied. That happens to me a lot. And they can also rescue you from certain bad conversations. Not that those happen at networking events, but if they do. Okay. Um, lastly, before heading in, I like to set a simple intention like meet one new person or connect deeply with two people or learn something new about someone. Because the fact is, we can't possibly meet everyone and connect with every single person there. So focusing on making one or two genuine connections, I think is a fantastic intention. And remember to stay open to possibility because you just never know what could happen. Um, also for fun on your way there or while you're preparing, this is from Julie Brown's book, This Shit Works. And she says, on your way there, don't drive like a jerk, which is a totally good reminder. I was on my way to something last month and the person in front of me was swerving all over the road. And I thought to myself, wouldn't it be funny if they were going to the same event I was and I just watched them drive like this? Well, I did follow them almost the entire way there, but they ended up turning right before, so they didn't go to the same place. But it's a good reminder. Don't double park and don't drive like a jerk on your way to networking events. People will see you and remember. Um, and I have a feeling that most of you probably already have this one down pat, but head in with your best energy. Not like over-the-top, optimistic, positive, Pollyanna you know, if someone tells you that their aunt just died, obviously adjust your attitude accordingly, but keep your energy positive and high and people will be naturally attracted to you and want to network with you. Sometimes this means you need to take care of yourself before you arrive because you wanna make sure that you feel positive and your very best. So maybe it's like putting on great music while you drive or popping in for a coffee as a pick-me-up or making sure you're well hydrated, you got a snack, you're not hangry. Anything you need to do to ensure that you're not going in with low energy is gonna be your friend. Um, and sometimes that wing woman or that wingman, like I talked about, that can really help to turn up the beat and get you in there and talking to people. And that's okay too, if that's what you need. So, all right. Are you ready? We should go inside. Here is what to focus on when you actually are there, wherever there is. So when you're there, communication, as many of us know, is the key to connection, one of the keys to connection. Get yourself settled in and then it's time to start talking. In my experience, there are five general types of communicators that you find at networking events. Type one, the close talker. These are the ones that you can tell had onions for lunch and they just keep on getting closer and closer every time, single time you back away. I am all about closeness. I love me some uh, 
some touchy-feely, but uh, I don't love it at networking events, and I do have a well-defined bubble. Um, I did recently learn a great trick about how to keep the close talkers a little bit at bay in a way that they don't feel offended by your body language of moving backwards, and that is, let's pretend both of your feet are parallel underneath you. All you have to do is take one of your feet and step it back slightly and then put your weight on that back foot. And typically the close talker, no matter how uh, resilient they are, they typically won't cross the line of that first foot and enter your personal space anymore. So I think that's a nice tip just to keep the close talkers at bay. That's one of my, that's one I really, really just don't like. I don't like when people get in my bubble. Type number two, the overtalker. This is the person who talks over your words. And I find that this person doesn't actually take the words out of my mouth and complete a sentence. That would be efficient. It would save me air. This person just straight up talks over you. It could come in the form of interrupting or interjecting when you try to express an idea or any variation thereof. I will say this is a tougher nuance on the phone, Zoom, radio, podcast, etc. There's things that happen on virtual airwaves that make communication far more challenging. But in general, if somebody has their mouth open, you should wait for them to finish their sentence or their thought. If somebody's little Zoom box is green, Wait for them to finish their sentence or their thought. Uh, Type number three, the small talker. And there are mixed thoughts and research about this. Many people believe we need small talk to get to the big talk. So, you know, whatever your thoughts are on that, go ahead, bring up the weather or daylight saving time, the traffic you encountered on the way, but then don't stay there. Move past the small talk because the small talker who stays in small talk territory so long that the conversation stays idle and stuck, it's not really the most engaging conversation. And it leaves both parties sort of walking away, having made no real connection there. Type four, the sales talker. This one comes in a few flavors. There's the one who outright tells you that they're not trying to sell you anything while actively selling you something. Then there's the one who uses everything you say as a moment to swoop in and sell. And then there's the one who follows up in an email with something like, it was great to meet you. Here's zero context or indication that you were all interested in my products, but let me sell you this thing. It's fine. These are all fine. If these are your ammo, you know, no shade. But personally, I think the best type is type five. And type five is the real person. It is you. It is my favorite person to chat with at a networking event. And I bet it will be other people's too. So how do you and how do you do that? How do you be you and be somebody who people like talking to when networking one-to-one or in groups? Well, I got three simple tips for you. Number one, ask questions. Ask good questions. Did you know that simply asking somebody, how are you? Or keeping busy? Or even that simple, what do you do? It can decrease their dopamine response and it can make them feel tired and unengaged. And sometimes that how are you? Or what do you do? It can even make a really convenient spot for someone to start venting, which actually can drag the entire conversation down. So instead, ask them something about their dog, their kids, 
uh, what they loved most about the speaker, what they're most excited for about this event tonight, what they did that weekend or the day before they got there, what they're reading or listening to right now. Ask them something about them and you will raise their dopamine levels with a simple question. Somebody recently shared with me that a slight um, tweak to what do you do? She asks, so do you enjoy what you do? And I really love that as a way to get them sharing about what they do, but not directly asking that overdone question. She always elicits an interesting response and off goes the conversation. Okay, being a fun person to talk to, tip number two, don't be afraid to talk about other stuff that makes you you outside of what you do. Everyone who knows me knows that I'm a fan of fun facts and icebreakers. I like the fun facts I shared at the beginning, for example. I love learning the things about people that make them tick. So what if you, mentally, had your own little list of fun facts at the ready too? And when someone asks you what you do, you don't just answer that you're a banker. You tell them, well, on the weekends, I hike with my grandkids in the White Mountains, and on Wednesdays, I get together with an awesome community at the Rotary Club, or maybe you say something like how you love cooking and listening to podcasts or reading smut in your spare time, and oh, by the way, I'm also the VP of Marketing at the bank. Think about what makes you you apart from your work and tap into it for conversations. It is fun. And you open up all kinds of conversations and connections and common threads you might not have gotten into otherwise. I have been known to ask some pretty wacky icebreakers, especially when I'm leading the meeting or hosting a group of of my own. I think it's to the chagrin of many. Um, But I have a lot of fun with this and you can too. Number three, repeat people's names and use them. People love to hear their own names in conversation, but apart from that, It's really helpful when you actually remember their name when you walk away. An author and podcaster I follow who I mentioned before, Julie Brown, she says in her book, uh, This Shit Works, you already know your name. Focus on theirs. A lot of us get really nervous thinking about introducing ourselves and we concentrate on saying our names very, very hard. And it's so funny because before before I heard her say that, I did that too. I would concern myself with how I was going to say my name and how I was going to introduce myself. Do I just say Emily or do I say Emily Aborn? Do I say Emily Aborn? I'm a content writer. But listen, we already know our own names. Stop overthinking it. You have probably been saying your own name a very, very long time. So listen closely to the other person's name, repeat it back to them, and use it throughout the conversation. It goes a long way. All right, super fast. We're going to move on to business cards. Little Little known fact, uh, the goal of networking is not to collect business cards. Taking a business card is an indication that you want to learn more, you want to connect with somebody afterwards, and that's it. Um, It's not a super effective strategy to like circle a room, slip your business cards into any hand and pocket that's free or to push it on anyone in any way. Just kidding. I know none of you would ever do that. But if somebody does not ask for it and you want that chance to follow up, you can simply say so. You can ask if it's okay for you to give them your card or you can ask for theirs. And in some cases, you know, you might even add why you want to follow up because it might in certain circumstances come across as pushy or salesy if you haven't made that, um, if you haven't gotten to that comfort level in the conversation. I also like to wait until the end of the conversation. Um, typically when you ask for somebody's business card, it's a way to move on from a conversation. <laughs> and I also just think it's best practice nowadays to um, wait till the end. Also, when you get a business card, unless it has been clearly specified or discussed, It is not a license to add your name, their name, to your email mailing list. 
I know that should go without saying, but it doesn't. I cannot tell you how many email lists I have been on that I'm like, I never signed up for this, but I do remember giving that person my business card or meeting them at a networking event. Um, I don't know the ins and outs of what to put on a business card nowadays, but I do know that you want to include the best way to contact you. Meaning, if you don't ever check your email, give another way to contact you. Guide people to call you. If you hate the phone, you don't necessarily need to put your phone number on there. If you do like text, but you don't like talking on the phone, just put text next to the phone number. I noticed some people's business cards say call or text. Mine would say text, don't call. (laughs) But whatever you choose, be sure to include at least one contact method and not just your website because you really want to keep it simple for people. You want to make it so impeccably simple to find you and connect with you afterwards. And that's pretty much it for my tips while you're there, like tangible, tangible stuff. Um, But I would say the very best thing to remember, whether you're introverted, extroverted, something in between, you don't need to do and you don't need to do anything except show up and be you. Be curious, come to learn, uh, show up with a giver's mindset. We're not trying to sell anyone anything at networking events. We're not like sliding in at the last minute when we get to give our pitch and then leaving. That's not helpful. Helpful is connecting people to solutions that meet their needs. Down the road, maybe that involves selling them that solution, but most of the time that's not taking place in a networking setting. Helpful is listening. Helpful's learning about somebody, getting ideas of how you can connect them to what they need, and also just building a genuine relationship around honesty and trust. Like that is what so many of us as human beings long for and need. So you being that other, that person for somebody else is amazing. Be yourself and allow others to be themselves. That is helpful. Uh, Just don't be your quote authentic self if you're like a shysty and your only mission is to get the sale. Then don't be authentic. (laughs) Be somebody else. Um, Just kidding. I think at the end of the day, my best, my best networking tip, like is just any situation you go into, make sure that you give more than you expect to get. I had somebody recently ask me to do a speaking engagement, a workshop, and she told me several times over again, the importance of providing value to the audience and not selling. And as a person who I get asked by folks to speak in front of my group or be on my podcast, I'm subject to a lot of ill-timed sales pitches. And I told her, you do not need to worry about me. In fact, it's harder for me to give a sales pitch or like that 90-minute commercial that I know you're dreading than not. I show up to collaborations and networking opportunities to provide value in any way that I can. And here's a little secret from me to you. Uh, When you approach it like that, you will gain so much. You will get so much, so much satisfaction and so much joy. And you really create a trustworthy connection with the people that you meet. All right. Last three things, then I'll wrap it up. We're going to wrap it up with following up, consistency and following through, and of course, honoring your body. First up, follow up. There are all sorts of schools of thought on this. Follow up via email, phone call, call on, connect on LinkedIn, connect on social, etc., etc. Figure out what your modus operandi is. Go with it. A practice I have in place each week is to sit down on Sundays. I go through my week and I write thank you notes to each and every person I connected with one-on-one. Whether they asked me to be on their podcast, they were on my podcast, we got together for coffee, we connected via Zoom, 
Doesn't matter. I write them a handwritten card to let them know how much it meant, and I try to include something pertinent and relevant to our conversation. You don't need to sit down and handwrite thank you cards if you don't want to, but I do recommend that you follow up with people because here's a reminder, relationship building takes a little bit of legwork to keep up with those genuine connections that you're making. And you do have to do a little bit of uh, relationship building between networking opportunities. So you don't need to call and text them every day, but if something pops up that relates to what you guys were talking about, send them a little email. Let them know you were thinking of them. Hey, this made me think of you in our conversation. Do be consistent when you choose a place to participate. If it's a group, be consistent in participating in the group. If it's saying that you're going to go somewhere, be consistent in saying that in, in being there. Be consistent with showing up when you say you will. And I tell you what, the guest on that RSVP list who is always signing up and never showing up, we know who you are. The one who always signs up and always cancels last minute, we know who you are. And the one who says that they're going to be there but then leaves you attending it by yourself time and time again only because they had something else come up. I get it. Like we've all been there. Life happens. Things come up. But make that the exception, not the norm. You know, the surprise, not the everyday. I recently had scheduled a business retreat with three fellow entrepreneurs and I was really sick and I felt terrible canceling. I didn't want to be flaky. I didn't want to be that person. Uh, And one of my friends in the group told me, Emily, this is the exception for you, not the rule. You are that person less than 1% of the time. So allow yourself to heal and be that person. When you are well, honor your commitments. And this should go without saying, but obviously honor your body and do not go places when you are sick. It's not cool to your body healing and it's also rude and wicked shitty to get other people sick. Case in point, I obviously got this COVID from someone out in the world, and I am so mad that they decided to make the choice to come to whatever they did and share it with me. Um, And on that note, just be open to wherever connection happens for you. There are many, many ways to do it. Podcasting can be a great way to network and connect. Facebook groups can be a great way to network and connect in person, virtual, masterminds. We'll get into more of this down the road, but keep this in mind. You never know who you will meet, where you will meet them, and where it will take you. Some of the best connections are unexpected ones, and you just never know where that call, that coffee chat, that Zoom meeting, or event will take you next. Maybe you'll even go home with your next best human or furry friend. Okay. If you are looking for a networking event uh, opportunity that gives you business growth and a super tight, cozy knit collaborative spirit, I do want to welcome you to grab one of the remaining seats in our upcoming She Built This Peer Group sessions. They kick off the week of February 27th, and we only have about five total seats left. There are seats in our Monday sessions at 2 p.m. That's being hosted by Jamie Chapman. And Wednesday at 3 p.m., I I have room for about three more, uh, and that's with me, yours truly. These are one part networking, one part group think, and one part accountability. And you can learn more at www.shebuiltthis.org backslash peer groups. 
I know that I didn't need to say the www dot, but I did anyway. I will make sure that that link is in the show notes. And on that note, I'm going to leave you here. I will chat with you next week. Make sure you don't miss next week's episode because I'm bringing you a conversation with one of my great friends, Lindsay Taylor, who I think we have a fun story about how we met through kind of these networking opportunities and online forums and such. And more importantly, we have a little secret that we are letting out next week. And hopefully I will be less all over the place and fully recovered. But I hope you have a great week ahead and I hope to hear from you from today's episode. To learn more about She Built This and to join our community and get involved for yourself, visit www.shebuiltthis.org.